0: Oh, God, what a promise that is. That you can take dust and make something beautiful, something incredible out of it. But, God, that you could also take something that's broken and, and from every human perspective beyond repair, God, and make it brand new. Oh, God, would you do that even here? In our midst today. God, we, we confess to you that that we've come to the realization that, that you have made us beautiful, God. We are the pinnacle of your creation. And yet by our very own choices, God, we've dishonored you and we've dishonored your creation and we've dishonored ourselves. And God, it is so easy. So many voices are saying to us that it can't be repaired. That it can't be fixed. God, we just heard your word says over and over again, look, behold, I'm, I'm doing a new thing among you. And God, even on this first day of the week, we're going to believe that today is a new day. God, today is a new start. And if we would just offer to you our brokenness, if we would just offer to you our failures, if we would just offer to you our sin, God, you would remove it from us as far as the east is from the west and make us new again. I thank you, God, for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you that we're not left to the natural consequences of our own choices, but all we need to do, God, is to turn to you and to receive grace in our time of need, to receive mercy. God, to receive a new hope, to receive a new commission, God, to receive new purpose. oh we love you. We thank you that your grace is sufficient for us, God. We thank you even as hard as it is. We thank you even for our weakness because, God, that grace keeps us constantly turning back to you, crying out to the only one who is able to forgive us, to the only one who is able to heal us, crying out to you, God, to be made new. God, we will live into that new creation. We will refuse to be bound by the choices of our past. We will refuse, God, to be condemned by the accusations of the evil one and those who have, have begun to partner with him in our destruction. God, instead, we look to the author of life and we declare life. We speak life over ourselves, over our families, over our city. God, and look forward to the joy to seeing what now are just seeds planted in faith in the ground, to seeing them begin to break through the hardness of our hearts and the crust of our hearts, God, and begin to grow and bear fruit. Oh God, there's so many needs that we have right now. Needs of physical healing, God, needs of, of relational healing. God, many needs of spiritual healing. Lead us in this place, would you? God, speak into our lives truths that, that nothing in this world could ever take away. And then, God, we will rejoice. We will rejoice and declare your glory. And we love you. God, we dedicate ourselves to you anew today. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And we're going to continue in worship in just a moment as we receive our tithes and our offerings. But I just really want to encourage you, live into the newness that is yours in Jesus Christ, right? Listen for God's voice, even in this time of worship. Children, we're going to invite you to stay with us just a couple extra minutes uh, until we read through our scripture. And then we will release you to your um, church time worship. Let's continue in worship together.
1: Would you all bow with me? Father, we just uh, thank you for this time of worship. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, We just ask God now that you be with us as we open it together, that you bless it to our understanding, that you would open us to what you have to say this morning, God. Um, And we just ask that you would be with our pastor as he uh, expounds upon uh, what you have already said, God, as he... Um, delivers your message uh, this morning. Um, God, be with us now as we as we read uh, the words uh, that you gave us. Let we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are in the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 1, and it can be found on page 980 in the Red Pew Bible. Um, we're going to read verses 3 through 11 in Philippians, chapter 1. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Children, we'd like to invite you, if you would like to join other children for a very special time of worship together, uh, you can make your way to the back of the sanctuary and we will look forward to seeing you at the conclusion uh, of our service together. When we uh, travel together on uh, mission trips, um, we often have uh, uh, parents of, of students or friends of um, some of the participants write notes to them. And, um, and we keep them and we hold them and then... Uh, about four or five days into the mission trip, uh, when they've been away from home, and I'm picturing like Mexico, you're away from everything that is familiar to you, um, then we we give them a letter from home. And just a phenomenal uh, experience for me as I receive letters, but also to watch as uh, I mean, you're only five days away from home, right? But because the, the situation is so different and, be, and because we feel so far away, it's a powerful, it's a powerful moment. And words that are spoken in that situation just seem to have so much more weight and so much more Power. I think of, I think of Jesus, uh, that last night. Now, they could not foresee the disciples what the next 24 hours would hold, but, but in that, that night of the Last Supper, and, and He's getting together with them, and, and they, they think, oh, we're, you know, this happens on an annual basis. We're celebrating Passover together. And then, and then Jesus says, oh, how I have longed to share this meal with you. For I will not share it with you again until we do so in heaven, right? And, and you can just see this powerful emotion in Jesus. This, it's hard to describe. It's, it's love. It's hope. It's all these things tied up into one another. I think that's what we're experiencing here in this passage. And, and I've always loved this passage. The very first Bible study I ever did as a Christian was in the book of Philippians. And some of our high school friends got together and went to a guy's house five o'clock in the morning and, and opened up the word. And we grew so close in, in that situation together. Even to this day, uh, I still text and write uh, that man who led me into God's word. I remember the intimacy of it. But what Paul was experiencing as he writes this Philippians, you might remember that on his third missionary journey, it was like God was moment by moment directing him. The, the thing that we say almost flippantly, God, you know, I want to follow you, direct me moment by moment, was happening for the Apostle Paul. He thought he knew where he was going. He thought he had a plan. and then, And then the Spirit of God would refuse to let him do what he thought he was going to do. And, and, and twice, in just a few verses in Acts, I, I want to say 17, but that doesn't sound right, he, the, the, the scripture says, the Spirit restrained us. Paul, Paul says, the Spirit restrained me from going where I thought it was. And then, and then in a dream, uh, a person from a place that he wasn't planning on going said, come to Macedonia. And, and so they bypassed all the whole area of Asia that they thought they were going to go to. They skirted around the edge in a ship and then went to what is now modern-day Greece. And and, and it says they went through these towns, but the first place they stopped was this this Greek city called Philippi. And and total strangers, the only people carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ into this setting, total strangers to the community, they they sought somewhere where they could where they could uh, meet, and they met under a tree uh, outside the city. And, and beginning with, with one woman, right? Uh, God planted a, a church. And, and, and I don't know what the percentage is, but one out of maybe 10,000 people initially. Um, and now what has become Greece if you were to ask people in Greece, are you followers of Jesus? Eighty eight percent of them would say that they are because of the Holy Spirit directing them to a new situation, changing the course of their life. And, and the people that went with Paul in, in, this, in this journey, um, uh, Silas, Luke, Timothy, right? The people that went with him, he, he just bonded he just bonded with. And, and the people, the first fruits of the gospel in, in Philippi, the people that first said, I'm going to believe what you're saying is true. I, I'm going to believe that, that Jesus is the Christ. The first fruits of their ministry in Philippi, he just bonded with. So now fast forward a couple of years, three years maybe, and Paul, for the gospel, is in prison. In probably Rome, it's, we're not absolutely sure, but probably Rome, and and he senses that this might be the end, right? He writes letters to Timothy, uh, just pouring out his heart. He writes this letter to Philippi, and and pours out his heart. Uh, you can just feel the love. Coming from this guy. Now, he's in a jail cell somewhere with maybe chained to a Roman soldier. Uh, he's been there. He ended up being there for almost two years in Roman prison, right? Uh, and and his thoughts and his prayers went to those that he was closest to. In our journey, trying to wrap our brains around this gift of God in prayer, I want to think especially today about praying for people that you're close to. Now, we don't just limit our prayers to people that we're close to, right? But, but, um, but Paul very intentionally here taught us and modeled for us how to pray for those we're closest to. And I'd like just at the beginning for you to just think about this. Think about people that have had a profound impact on your life. Some of you will think about parents. Some of you will think about dear friends. Some of you will think about spouses. Think about people that that God has put in your life. And and then listen, as we unpack God's word today, listen to see how Paul prayed for them. Because our temptation, isn't it? Our temptation is just to just to pray little grocery list things. Yeah, they, they have a cold. Um, God, heal them from that cold. They have a financial need. Provide for that. And those are, I love it that God cares about those things. The danger is that we'll spend all of our energy on, on grocery list kinds of prayers. said last week that there's fabulous prayers in Scripture that can transform not only the way that we pray, but also, actually transform us if we will open our hearts and minds to God's word. So I ask you to do that even now, God. Would you open my heart and my mind to this, your word, this, this few verses in Philippians. God, would you open uh, the uh, hearts and minds of all who are here to those who are listening to us on the Internet, God? To, um, would you just open our hearts and minds to your word and we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So what can we learn from Paul? How, how do we pray for those closest to us? Now, if you've done much reading on the Apostle Paul, and, and it's thick going, our Friday night um, Bible study tackled this passage, and and it's thick going. It doesn't read as easily as as the narratives in the Gospel. But But if you've read much of Paul's letters, you understand that this is really a unique setting most of the time. And Paul got right to it, and he sometimes took them to the woodshed. Some, some places, like in Galatians, he he actually has harsh words. He, he, he spoke to the Galatians and said, you're deserters of the gospel, right? And when, he, when he spoke to the Corinthians, he, he was answering their questions, but he was pointing out how quickly they had and walked away from the beautiful truths that they knew. But when Paul writes to the Philippians, it's just an amazing expression of humility and, and unity. And he, and he teaches us some critical principles on how to pray. What's the first one? Be grateful. Be grateful, right? How should we pray for those? With gratefulness, right? He said, you don't know the person I'm thinking about. I don't. I don't. But I do know God. And I know that the sovereign God put that person in your life for a sovereign and beautiful purpose. You make beautiful things, right? God? He put that person in your life for a sovereign and beautiful person. So Paul says, I, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you in other words, every time I think about you i 'm thankful for you right why well there 's no church there before but but with these this this woman this jailer this demon possessed girl this this servant student named Epaphroditus these two women Euodia and Syntyche and, and so many more they, they, they became as broken as they were they became expressions of the community of God in that city oh he's grateful for them if you know anything about the Philippians that they they loved Paul and sacrificially gave in order for him to continue going throughout uh, Asia and and what now is Greece and bringing the word of, of the Lord. When he got sick, and he got deathly sick several times, when he got sick, they sent someone to be with him, to provide for him, to bring about his healing. So he has plenty of reasons, right, to be grateful for the Philippians. But But if Paul is truly writing from prison it really seems that way it would have been been easy to to just focus on all that was going wrong all that he had lost all that he was in danger of losing instead he models for us how to pray he he prays a grateful heart to the lord i don't know about you but when when i pray it's so easy for me to focus on what's not right and what's broken right and I do it out of faith that God can can fix it that he can heal it but as a result I miss all the things around me all the testimony around me where God has provided where God has blessed I gotta tell you as we anticipate this upcoming move my laundry list is full of things to pray for and we don't have time today, but I just cannot tell you how many times God has already answered prayers in that regard. But maybe just maybe the gift the first gift of the apostle Paul in prayer is is thankfulness, gratefulness. Think for a moment, would you with me? What's one request that you have prayed? Recently, right? Where you were telling God you needed something, right? And praying our need is a good thing. I'm not diminishing that at all. But can you translate that? Have you got one in mind yet? Think of one thing that you asked of the Lord before. And he provided. He answered. Can you translate that prayer into a prayer of gratefulness, right? Right? Thank you, God, that when I was in financial need, you asked me to trust you and you provided. God, thank you that when I was, when I was needing a, a miracle of health, God, that you answered. Thank you, God, when I cried out to you in that very difficult relationship. Um, God, you, you went before me. And miraculously provided for him. You see how this gratefulness transforms our prayer. But Paul didn't stop there. He says, In every prayer of mine for you all, he must have been like from the south, right? Every prayer of mine for y'all, making my prayer with joy, right? Which I know we've explored joy before, and it's, a, it's really a unique uh, thing that, 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 uh, God has gifted us with, right? We've learned together that joy is 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 not um, the absence of of pleasure. We've learned that joy is not happiness, right? Which is dependent on our circumstances. We've learned together that joy is a spiritual dimension when when you experience the provision of God in a way that you never expected, and and, and God transforms you as a result of it. Paul says, "I always." Pray with joy from the very first day until now. By the way, joy is a major theme. Re- rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4, right? Uh, again, I'll say to you, rejoice. Joy is a major theme. At the end of Paul's life, he learns something and he's passing something on to us that can transform us. Live out of the joy of the Lord, right? Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength, Right? Live out of that joy. How does it work? I can't tell you to feel joy when you pray, right? Because joy is kind of a byproduct of, of, of remembering what God has done. But I want to just invite you to let yourself feel joy when you look around you, when you see what God has done. When you see God take two very different human beings and miraculously make them one, right? When you see God take fifteen people and feed two hundred fifty people when you see you see someone tirelessly um, working to provide for our preschoolers, uh, the stability and foundation of of the gospel and Christian love that will transform them. That brings me joy. When you see, when you see people um, reach out and invite and love the widows and the lonely to come and share a table together, and and they come. And, and experience community, maybe for the first time. That brings me joy. That brings me joy. When you see people go to the uttermost parts of the earth, into dangerous situations, into, into situations far from those that they love, but they go because, because they know that they have this precious gift to give someone, it might transform them. That brings me joy. Paul said, I get so much joy from you, Philippians. I get so much joy. Don't don't give in to our culture which says, look for what's wrong around you. Instead, look for what is right. Look for what is right, what is good, what is true, Philippians, right? What is noble. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Paul would say four chapters later, think on these things, right? Think on these things. Pray gratefully, pray joyfully, pray confidently. We're going to come back to this in a minute, but he says, I am sure of this, right? Uh, I'm I'm praying once a week with a bunch of Pentecostal pastors and and they're rubbing off on me a little bit. (laughs) I kid you not, they, they they are so confident in what is not yet, right? That they pray into existence. Paul says, I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Look inside your bulletin for just a second. I'm hoping that our last conversation is still the same, Kristen. um, At the bottom, our memory verse is that verse from Philippians. Would you say it with me? For I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Whoops, I said that backwards. Philippians one six. Would you say that one more time? And I want you to say it with confidence this time. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, six. right? Isn't that... Wouldn't that be a blessing if someone came up to you? Dave, I want you to know that I am sure of this. That he who began this good work in you will, as NIV puts it, will be faithful to complete it, right? Will be faithful to complete it. What are we, what are we doing here? What is Paul teaching us? He's teaching us to pray like God is at work, Right? He's teaching us to pray like God is at work. God was at work in the church of Philippi. If he, if he, and when Paul is writing, possibly ten years later, if he saved them ten years later, uh, then he's gonna continue that work that he began. And again, today, eighty-eight percent of people in Greece will say that they are followers of Jesus. Right? God's still working in Philippi, in Macedonia in modern-day Greece. Pray like God is at work, right? He is working. You might not be able to see it. That doesn't matter, right? Pray like God is working. Let me take it one step further. Pray like God's not done yet, right? Pray like God is not done yet. There's that wonderful story of the Transcontinental Railroad. And I laughed when I saw it earlier in the week because because it took them six years to build a transcontinental railway. Now, many of the pieces were already in place on the East Coast, but especially from Missouri West, right? In six years, they built a railroad. It takes six years to get a, a pothole filled in Evansville, right? But But... But they did it in six years. And what a glorious thing. But, you know, some of that was on the plains, right? So so they'd lay down mile after mile after mile of track. They'd get several miles a day done in laying down that track. But some of that was through the Rockies. Some of that they had to bore a four-foot hole into the rock, stuff it with explosions, and blast their way through the Rocky Mountains, right? Now, Now, lest you think that I'm... I'm drawing the analogy that we have to blast our way in prayer. I'm not. I'm saying God's doing that. God is at work. God is accomplishing his purposes. We're not the miners in the story. We're the caboose at the end of the train that gets to go where God has done all the hard work. God is at work. Don't give up hope. And God is not finished yet. And because God is at work, we can pray gratefully. We can pray joyfully. We can we can pray confidently. Right? And what I love about the Apostle Paul, we can pray affectionately too. We can pray affectionately. It's right for me to feel this, he says, about you. Because I hold you in my heart. For you are all... Partakers of with, excuse me, partakers with me of grace. Both in my imprisonment, you have not forgotten me, but also in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And God is my witness, right? This is where the expression comes from. People that say, God is my witness, this is where it comes from right here. God is my witness. Paul says, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says it's right for him to feel this way about about those that he loves because he has them in his heart. And, and and if you have someone in your heart, then circumstances don't matter, do they, right? Even if they die, right? Nothing can take them away from you because you have them in your heart. I just really want to encourage you. Um, who are you holding in your heart, Right? I'm going to invite you in the days and weeks to come to to reach out to those you don't know. I'm going to invite you, honestly, to to pray for and to love your enemies. Right. But isn't it beautiful that that Paul says it's also possible and even important to pray for those who are closest to you. Lift them up before the throne of grace, because in your time of need, they will carry you. They will provide the very thing you're offering to them. <laughs> I love the word that he uses. Remember, um, North American imagery and, and, and biblical imagery was different in a lot of different ways. We've explored that in depth in the issue of the heart, right? Um, we, North America, thinks that the heart is the center of emotions, right? Um, uh, but the biblical understanding is that's the seat of your will, counseled by your mind and your emotions, but here, when Paul, when Paul speaks of this affection that he has, the word that he uses is guts. It's, 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 um, it's intestines. It translates in a lot of things, right? Try that on a Valentine card. And, and if you really want to get them, use a picture, right? Use a picture. I love you with all my intestines, right? <laughs> and then keep the car engine running, right? In case you need to make a quick getaway, right? But, but it does work, right? Do you ever have to feel something stirred in your, right? Do you ever use the expression "I have a gut feeling," right? Right? Isn't that issue? It, 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 that's what Paul's saying. Oh, oh, I feel for you, and my very core of who I am. So, so what we would understand as as treasuring someone in our hearts, Paul says, I, I. I feel you in my inmost being. We begin to pray for people. What does it do? What does it do? It transforms us, right? Prayer engages our hearts. Prayer engages our hearts. And it helps us to care for each other. That's what's so cool about praying for your neighbor, right? praying for your neighbors. Now, in, in my particular neighborhood, we have a bunch of prayers and, and I think we got all 80 houses covered and so I, I just adopted the prayers, right? But but they're from seven different churches and I know some of them pretty well and some of them I don't know well at all but it's just been fascinating. Just two weeks into this, how how my heart has changed for neighbors that, that I didn't know well, right? Uh, some of them are right around me and I know them really well but But my heart is changing. Prayer engages your heart. And when your heart changes, right, then then oftentimes your actions will change as a result. It's not always true, but oftentimes it's true, right? So when we pray for each other in church, when we pray for each other in our small group, when we pray through the Awaken Evansville Prayer Network, there's these moments that we can cultivate that love for one another, we can we can marinate in it like Paul is doing in prison. We can we can experience the affection of Christ Jesus. So how should we pray? Gratefully, Paul says joyfully, right, confidently. That's important, and affectionately. But but does he give us any further insight? What should we pray for? I know again, um, Paul's letters are are hard to follow. Um, but but what should we pray for in, for one another? Paul says how he's been praying. Right. And then he actually does it. He models it for them. And it's my prayer. He says that your love may abound more and more. So so what do we pray for for those closest to us for love? Right. Paul prays with love that they would grow in love for God and for each other. He continues this thought in several other letters, including Ephesians chapter 4. He encourages the church to grow in, in the grace and knowledge and love of the Son of God. In Philippians, in Colossians, in, in first and second Timothy, we see over and over again that Paul is asking not only that they would experience the love of God, but that the love of God would be extended through them. Do you see how that works? As we're transformed by the love of God, we extend it to others. That's why this critical piece um, of praying for those who are closest to you is so important. Because as we experience that with those we're closest to, then God extends it beyond our walls, beyond our work cubicle, beyond our neighbors to those who don't yet know him. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, let all of that, let our families, let me, God, fall more in love with you, right? Let me know you better. May their, may their love increase in knowledge, God. Would this love for you extend beyond myself, beyond my own home, beyond my own neighbor, beyond this church? Would, would your love extend beyond us, pressing outward beyond our doors, beyond our artificial boundaries into, into Evansville, and I believe in 10 years, ultimately, the whole globe? Father, help us to love you and others through Jesus. So pray for love. Pray for love, Paul says. But pray also for discernment, right? We see this. um, It's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you can approve what is excellent. Watch the news lately? Uh, Open your phone lately? Um, We're struggling. We're struggling to... Understand and identify and much less approve what is excellent. In fact, I don't, don't get me started. Oh, my gosh. I really enjoy football. But that was ridiculous. That was ridiculous on the Super Bowl. What before would have been considered anathema is now a halftime show at the Super Bowl, right? And I found myself saying, thank you, Jesus, that we didn't have a Super Bowl party and have that on a 17 foot screen right in, in front of us. Um, forgive me. I'm, I'm not trying to be moralistic. I'm not at, at all. I'm I'm just trying to say that that we've lost all all knowledge and discernment of what is good and what is true and what is right as a culture. So Paul says, pray for that. Pray for that, right? Pray that that we can approve what is excellent. This word discern, in, in the original language, the Greek meant to test, right? When you sit down to take a test or a quiz, right, students? When you sit down to take a test or a quiz, you try to figure out what's the right answer. And it tests your understanding. When you're driving someplace and you decide not to use your GPS, right? You're testing of your, your knowledge along the way. When you try and run a 5K, I've lowered my standards. Um, I'm just trying to run a 5K now. Um, um, You're testing your body, right? To see if you have the endurance. Let's pray for each other. Let's pray for God to give us the grace to pass the tests that the culture throws us every day. Let's pray for one another, right? to test ourselves and see if it's genuinely Jesus that we're following, right? Or just a cultural expression of him. If, like we said earlier, God is at work and we can pray like God is at work, then let's let's, let's ask God to reveal himself and, and to remove anything that is not of him. I love this word knowledge. We've explored it before. If you're new to this word in the scripture, it is not intellectual assent that he's talking about knowledge in the scripture the best i can do is to translate it experience of when god says i didn't know you he says i've never experienced your faith right i've never experienced apart from me i didn't i don't know you i've not experienced your faith it's not intellectual assent but experience and so we need God's discerning help, don't we? We need help in discerning what is God's best. That's why we pray for both discernment of God's will and the experience of God's will. We pray for discernment and knowledge. And it's not just so that we would know the right things. It's so that we would do them. It's so that we would do them. Beloved, we're on the the threshold of a great step of faith as a congregation, and we can know all these things about God, but if we never put them into practice, if we never step out in faith and trust God that he is directing and guiding us, then then we, we will have missed everything. We have this great invitation to discover and experience and discern God's best. So pray for love, pray for discernment, Pray also for purity. This is interesting. And so to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. When is the last time you prayed for the purity of those closest to you? Right? When was the last time you prayed for them? I, uh, I love um, my wife. Her very name, Karen, if there's any other Karens in the room, means pure. Right? I just love her heart. She has this pure heart. She's human. She messes up like any, any of us, but, but it comes from a heart that's pure, that wants the best. Paul said, pray that for those closest to you. Pray for purity for those closest to you, so that you may be pure and blameless at the day of Christ. Tom, that day's coming. Amen? The day of Christ. Tom and I were talking about it during the Sunday school hour. The day of Christ is coming. And Paul says, pray for those closest to you that they may be blameless on that day. I've shared with you before my prayer is that God would make my wife radiant, radiant with his presence. But that also I could present to him my children blameless, right? Pure and, and blameless. Pray for those closest to you. Because that day is coming when Christ will judge, bringing to light every dark thing that we've hidden in our hearts. The word that, that they use here in the scripture for purity is interesting. It's a, it's a compound word. It would not have made, it would not have made sense in our, if I tried to translate it in English, it would, it would say sun tested, right? Sun tested. And, and I, as I understand it, here's the deal that, that in that culture they had scoundrels as well. And they would take a broken pot, which are very valuable, and they would they would put it back together with wax. Right. And then they would rub it with uh, paint or dirt or something to make it look like you couldn't see the cracks. You couldn't see the leaks. How how would you test this pot to to make sure that it was that it was pure and, and blameless? You would hold it up to the sun sun tested right and what would the sun do to the wax that was in the pot right it would melt the wax and the and and the impurities would be seen why does god allow the trials that he puts us through why does he put us in situations that we cannot extract ourselves because they reveal our false understandings they reveal the the cracks in our understanding of who He is and who we are. Pray for love. Pray for discernment. Pray for those closest to you, for purity, right? They might be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. And lastly, He says, pray that they may be fruitful, right? That they may be fruitful, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Paul's final prayer is that that the fruit of righteousness would be born in them. What is this fruit of righteousness? Remember, righteousness is not self-righteousness. It is right relationship, right? Pray that they may be filled with the fruit of right relationship. In other words, the fruit of righteousness is a life that's been changed by Jesus and is bearing fruit as a result, right? pray that those closest to you can be changed by Jesus and bear fruit as a result. Every aspect of who you are, your identity, right? How you treat your family, how you treat fellow church people, how you, how you live when no one is watching. Everything is being transformed by Jesus. But here's the deal. We can only bear the fruit of whole life righteousness if our lives have been first touched by Christ's righteousness. This is the good news of the gospel, beloved. What you cannot do on your own, Christ has already done. When you put your weight down on what Christ did at the cross, you benefit from his righteousness. His righteousness is like that seed planted in in my stony heart, right, that slowly pushes up and breaks apart the rocky soil, right, and and breaks forth into something beautiful. Like we sang of at the early part of the service. He's doing something beautiful, right? But our lives must be first touched by Christ's righteousness and then they must be transformed by Christ's righteousness. So how should we pray? Gratefully and joyfully and confidently and affectionately. What should we pray for? Love and discernment, purity, fruit, about how and what but why why can we pray these things right i want to take you back to our earlier thought i am sure of this the apostles paul says, why why am i praying this because i'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of christ again i charge you why can we pray these things because god is at work You have the privilege of praying this because God is already at work. Pray like God is at work. But why should we pray these things, right? We can pray them because God is at work. Why should we pray these things? Because God is going to be glorified in your prayer life. God is going to receive praise as a result of your prayer life. To the glory and praise of God, Paul says at the end of this verse, to the glory and praise of God. Oh, God, don't underestimate what God can do through one woman, one child, one man who who risks believing his word to be true and begins to pray for those around him. Pray with me now, would you? God, thank you for my sisters and brothers, for, for the amazing way, God, that they have blessed me and my family over all these decades now. God, thank you for the impact of one life upon another when we believe beautiful things for one another. But God, we have to confess even in this adventure of prayer over the last couple of weeks that we've fallen short. God, we, we, we've been overwhelmed and, and are so struggling to become women and men of prayer. Thank you. Thank you, God, for... The Apostle Paul, thank you for this letter to the book of Philippians where where he reminds us that it's not about our strength. It's about your strength. God, and when we feel weak, that's sometimes where you do your greatest work. So God, we offer to you our weakness. We offer to you our brokenness. God, we offer to you ourselves exactly like we are. We confess that we're not yet where we ultimately will be, but we're going we're to build on this foundation, God, of your word. It says that you who began this good work in us will be faithful to complete it. Now oh, we love you, God. We offer to you ourselves today. In Jesus' name.
1: It's a confession, Lord. We are weak So very weak But you are